guys, what's up? Welcome back to another episode of Liberty Diner Dish. I'm Ken. I'm Michelle. And we're about to jump right into another episode of Queer as Folk. We are at episode three. Well, we're almost done with season three. I don't want it to end. No, girl. <laughs> oh, my God. so good. I know. It's popping. Yeah, okay. this season is, all the seasons are good, but this one, I don't know, I guess just the pacing of it and just what has been going on in this season. Introduction of new characters, plot yeah. twists. Like, mm-hmm. I mean. The reunion. Yeah, like, girl, like, <laughs> so much, you know? Yeah. I mean, we had a whole breakup. We had a whole reunion so far, you mm-hmm. know? I mean, at this point, we don't know what to think about Ted. I mean, just so, girl. Yeah. I mean, crazy. Yeah. Crazy. It is a really, really, really good season. And we're not done yet. And I'm glad y'all didn't give me no tea on this season because <laughs> I had I didn't know what to expect. This is crazy. I know. I know. He wanted to watch 10 minutes of 3.13 today. And I was like, no, absolutely not. We cannot watch it until we can watch the whole thing. <laughs> Yo, it got to be some loopholes in it, okay? <laughs> no, I can't. No, you can't see anything. <laughs> not until we're watching the whole thing. Right. All right, so we're going to get started. But before we do, we want to give a shout out to Christy. We are so grateful to Christy for the work that she does behind the scenes with helping us. Y'all have no idea. She literally is a saint. Christy, we love you. Yeah, Christy runs um, a lot of our social media stuff. So she responds on our behalf on certain platforms and handles a lot of our posting. And it's just a really good encouragement behind the scenes Mm -hmm. for, for both of us like that. I totally underestimated how much work goes into a podcast. <laughs> and so you need friends to help you out. There's people to help you out. And willing Takes to, a village, baby. Yeah, it does. And even just people to be like, just to encourage and motivate you. Correct. You need that too. So she's really great at all of that. She's very genuine when she's speaking to us or about us. And so, hi, Christy. Hey, Christy, girl. You know you are <laughs> triple. Okay, our third. We are triple around yeah. here. We love you, girl. <laughs> All right, well, let's get into this one because I'm going to just, like, skip some whole things. But, <laughs> okay, I'm going to try not to. We'll just face it head on. We're yes. going to do this. Okay. We're ready. All right, so we start out at Babylon. It is lit like always. I love the way this is shot. They though. shot that. It was such a dope scene. Yeah, yeah. that it was, slow-mo everything slow-mo. effect mm-hmm. slow-mo. With glitter and the lighting. And I just really liked it. I feel like we got... It was longer than right. we usually they get. They gave us the whole club view. Like, mm-hmm. it went around to each section. You got the, a feel of the whole, like, the whole energy of, yeah. that, of the club that night. So, yeah, yeah, it was dope. So, we got to go out, like, a weekend ago, the uh-huh. two of us together. Yes. And it was so fun. Uh, we went to a place that Babylon-esque, I guess. Yes. And just that feeling of being there with that energy and the music. And it kind of reminds me. It was it was our Woody's, literally. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like that's where we were. So mm-hmm. so freaking excited. I was dying to get you out into the scene, and I did yeah. it, y'all. I did it. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, Babylon was popping. And whoever's owning this club, y'all know y'all raking in the dough. Yeah. Okay. It was packed to the <laughs> max tonight. Okay. Yeah. Like crazy lit. Uh you know, anytime we we start out at Babylon, I'm like, okay, who's here? Who who from the gang is here tonight? Mm-hmm. <laughs> who's it gonna be when they finally because like I said, this one went on for a long time. We got an extended view of the, the crowd at the club. And so it's like, okay, who from our gang is here tonight? So it turns out Justin is here and he is looking beautiful with this golden hair and this tank top. Yes, come through. <laughs> yeah. Well, the back room has been shut down again. And Justin turns to Brian like, okay, Rage, do your sledgehammer thing again. <laughs> and Brian says, no, wrong, blonde boy. Like, I've done enough. Let someone else be in charge. And I don't know that I think 
when he did it the first time, yeah, he had lost the job. Yeah. So I guess when he did it the first time, it was very much, it was right after that. Yeah, like so a it was rebellion. In response, yeah. yeah mm-hmm. In retaliation, kind of in a way. And so now then he's like, Yeah, geez. now he's like, I did my part. Yeah, you know? they're going to keep doing yeah, it. Yeah, I'm not so going to, oh, every time it's closed, it's going to keep closing. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to be bringing here, you know, jeopardizing myself every time. Yeah. Well, uh, Justin asks if he's going to take it lying down. And Brian says, Generally, that's how it's done. Facts. And Justin's like, I thought you wanted to get even. Like, he's not going to just let Brian right. accept defeat and give up on it. He's like, No, we're on a mission. We're doing something. <laughs> so, yeah, he's not going to let him just up. Uh, do you think that's the only way they can get even or be on that mission is no. to keep doing that? Like, I'm, I don't Brian think sees so. the bigger picture. I think this is the one time we see Justin as a teenager, a rebellious <laughs> teenager. You know, like, well, forget it. You know, they want to close it. Fuck it. Go get the sledgehammer. Yeah. <laughs> Go get keep the hammer right now. It up. Yeah. Yes. Uh, no, I, I don't know. I think that they, they were united in this mission, but I feel like for Brian, it's kind of okay. Where do I think he's still trying to figure out where do we go next yeah. with this? Whereas mm-hmm. Justin's like, let's just keep doing what we've been doing. Right. And Brian's like, okay, where do we go next? Or do we keep going? Or maybe we gave it the old college try. And, right, yeah. And that's it. Time so, to give it on so up. So I think he really needs that that push and that reminder from, from Justin. Right. No, I can, I can see that too. All right. So Hunter is still occupying the spare room at Michael and Ben's place. And he's not the tidiest guest. <laughs> and he's also <laughs> found Michael's secret stash of Mrs. Chips. So. Mm. Well, I would act a fool, too. I, yeah. I, if I was Mike, I'd be complaining. But one, you're living here rent-free. Two, you act like you got maids around here, okay? Leaving your nasty little socks on the table. Yeah. And three, you were my secret stuff. I hid these. That means you were looking. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? You were looking for my uh, my cookies. Oh, no. One thing I told Brad last night, you know, I don't play by my food. Yeah. You know what I'm like, <laughs> that means me. I don't play yeah, by my sleep, yeah. my food, or my family. That part, okay? Like, for real. So, uh, he's lucky, you know what I'm saying? That's all he got was a talking to. <laughs> yeah. Hunter, dude, you should probably try to clean it up a little bit. Or at Please. least keep it in your room. Like, you've got a whole bedroom. With a door. Like, yeah. I mean, come on, bro. I think when you've been living, like, the street life, you know how important it is to have all of your possessions in one spot. Right. Like, they need to be very close to your person because you never know when you're going to... Well, he is not utilizing that, that, no, <laughs> that but tactic. No, but what I'm getting at is, like, so that would be what he's used to. It's like keeping everything right on him to keep it safe, to keep it secure in case he's got to run away pretty quickly. And so I think the fact that he has his crap thrown all over the he's place shows them. that... Yeah, he's kind of settling into mm-hmm. this arrangement now and... For however long it's going to last, Ben didn't give him a time frame. And so every night he shows up, they've been letting him in. And so I think he's kind of getting comfortable. Right. Even if he doesn't really trust this, I think this shows it. Yes, it's annoying and frustrating, but I do think it shows some right. progress. progress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Michael is slightly less frustrated about this arrangement than he's been in the past. <laughs> and I think he's just kind of resigned to the fact that Okay, we're doing this. He's yeah, here. Yeah, he's here. Yeah. And I can't go back on it. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it is what it is. Yeah. He's annoyed by a few things. He wants him to clean up and he wants to not have to keep the volume down during his bedroom time with Ben. Girl, <laughs> I, he would have got the whole shebang with me in that room. <laughs> um, baby, we bought you some earplugs because yeah. we, we get a little wild. Okay. Yeah. Trust me, you don't want to hear all these calls. Yeah. So, I feel like he's got some reasonable complaints. Some of them, I suppose. Uh, now, he has not forgotten what Hunter does to earn his coin. So there are stray comments here and there right. from Michael still. But but you can he, see this change in him, though. Yeah, a little mm-hmm. bit. And when he goes to wake Hunter up, he's he's actually pleasant when he does it. It's and, almost like an uncle or a, son, uh, or a dad looking at this. I'm like, oh, he's so peaceful. Yeah. Because for once, Hunter looks peaceful mm-hmm. and resting well. You yeah. Know? yeah, he's not 
fighting back or giving right. snark or attitude. He's just resting there peacefully. And I think, so now Michael can see him as a human being. And even that hint of a smile we see from Michael suggests that maybe he remembers that Hunter is a, a kid. Right. You know, he lives a very adult life, but he is a kid. Anyway, Michael and Ben are heading out for work, which means Hunter also has needs to, to go. To go. And Ben is wanting to give him a key since he's living there now. And Michael says he is not living here. He's staying here temporarily. And Michael says he can get in when we let him in. Well, Ben suggests that Michael take him to the shop, which I think is a good idea. I think definitely he needs he needs to be working or doing something <laughs> yeah, or doing around something. something positive. Yeah. I mean, you're kicking him out on the streets to do what? You know where he's going and what he's doing. You're not helping the situation. Right. Now you just give him a place to live. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. So I feel like that's a much better suggestion than when Michael says, like, oh, he can just go to class with you. Like, no. It no. makes more sense for him to go to Put the comic to shop. Put him to the comic shop. Yeah. You know, he can be, find something that he's interested in. He'll maybe meet somebody around his age that, right. that's doing positive things. And also, he gets to spend more time with you, which y'all clearly don't know each other. You yeah. know, spend more time with you, and you can put his ass to work. <laughs> I mean, that's four good things, right? Okay. Yeah, you can pay him twenty bucks to sweep the floor, or whatever. Uh, he should probably be in school, but that's clearly not an option we're considering right now. Nah. So, yeah. So, what do you think about the key situation? I mean, I low key kind of feel what Michael's going through. For one, I don't really know you like that. Mm-hmm. Therefore, I don't think I should be giving you my key. Like, yes, you can come and stay when I'm here because I don't want to come home to my shit being robbed. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> or you know, you just never know. You know, he a hustler, yo. I sell you this key for five hundred. You know what right. I'm saying? Take grab whatever you need. They'll be home at three. You know, mm-hmm. like you just you never just know. Never know. You yeah. know, so uh, I, he lived a dangerous life. So I kind of feel Michael going. I feel Ben is going like, hey. In order for him to trust us to make him feel more at home, let's give him this key. You know, nobody's ever done this. Let's do that. Uh, I feel like Michael, like, baby, hold up. Yeah. I work every day for this. You know what I'm saying? Like, I work every day for this, you know, and I'm paying yeah. him for him. Like, I don't know if, if my, I'm ready for that. I can see it being a little soon yeah, for Michael it, to feel a like he can soon. Really trust him. Oh, yeah. Let him stop being fucking rude and then he can get a key. You know what I'm saying? Or at least pay the electric. You out here hustling all the nights, okay? And you ain't got to pay, pay the money on no damn motel no more. You know what I'm saying? Wherever you was staying. You can at least pay the electric bill or something. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Buy me something to eat. Then you can get a key. Okay? Get the maid to come clean up these dirty ass socks on my kitchen table. <laughs> then you can get a key. But I'm sorry. I just, yeah, I'm going to be working my nerves, girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Go. So, um, speaking of cleaning, Emmett is cleaning the windows at the place he shares with Ted. Emmett is a stress cleaner, and I can, I can totally see that. I can, he seems like the type of person who would try to create some kind of order when mm-hmm. everything else is in chaos. And so, be that baking a very nice cake or cooking, doing a new recipe or, or cleaning the windows. Girl, I, I bet he really cleaned those it. windows a thousand times. Oh, yeah. You know he did. <laughs> okay. uh, so, side note, before we slip into this scene, uh, I like how we see here at Ted and Emmett's place and then also at Michael and Ben's place, you can see the blending of the two lives in mm-hmm. their decor, you know, mm-hmm. and how, how things fit. I point that out because while Emmett's cleaning, there's like a leopard print chair right beside him. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's totally Emmett's contribution <laughs> to the... To the household. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We don't really see that at the loft, but Justin hasn't accumulated anything. And so there would be no blending of their possessions because... And I think they, they have like the same taste anyway. Yeah. You know? well, I think he would defer... He would want it to look nice. I think Justin likes that the loft looks yes, nice. Yes, he so, does. Yeah. Like he, like, uh, he pointed out that table. art that he would put on the wall. Right, right. Like, but yeah. for the most part, I think they got the same aesthetic when it comes to furniture, beds, all that type of stuff. Yeah. Well, there's a knock on the door, and Emmett is hoping that it's Ted. Last we heard, Ted was in Palm Springs at the white party right. with Mark and his other new friends, and mm. we heard that from a very questionable source. Mm. But <laughs> but we ain't got no other no other ideas where he is. 
Well, it's Melanie and Lindsay at the door, and they've been out running errands, which included a trip to the bank. And the missing money has magically reappeared, and they know that something is up. Well, Emma's acting all clueless, but we know that ain't the case. And he's covering for Ted. And now $5,000 is a lot of money for anyone, but definitely for Emmett, who needed to borrow $10 last season. That part, okay. <laughs> you know? Uh, so we know exactly where where that money went and where the replacement money came from. How do you think Brian would react if he found out what Ted did with Gus's money? Um, Brian would be on his ass. I don't think Brian would leave his loft to come over to the apartment to say something, but if they was out and about, I mean, a shade is going to be flying. And Brian can be slightly aggressive. Yeah. I mean, because if he doesn't smile, you don't know if he's, like, ready to beat your ass or, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> right. or just throwing some shade. You don't really don't know because he has this good, tough guy look. So, I mean, like, the shade would be flying. Yeah. And I think right now, the way Ted's feeling, he would throw some shit back. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So, I don't, I don't get, know. Get, yeah, because it's not Brian's money, but this is for Gus's future. Yeah. And Brian's not a violent person, but we saw him punch Michael. Yeah, we did. In When he was pushed over the edge, and that was in defense of Justin. Mm-hmm. And I think we could expect something pretty similar in defense of son. Gus. Yeah. True. And also, it's the friend thing. Like, although he may give male shit, but he's connected forever with Lindsay. Right. And also, they're like a whole family. Like, they're not just friends. Right. They're a fucking family. So the fact that you're stealing from them, like, you're not part of this group, bro. Like, we wouldn't do that. I just feel like it would be bad. Yeah. Uh. Well, Melanie and Lindsay, I think they are there for like, okay, we need to, what's We want what's some clarity. Happening? Like, yeah, what's so going on? Where's Ted? What's going on? They want to know what's up. And I think part of it is, they're just genuinely concerned, but mm-hmm. then it's like, okay, something is going on. You're hiding things from us, or Ted is. Right. We want to know what, what's going on. Emmett tells the girls that Teddy is getting his tires rotated, but then Vic calls and he tells Vic that Ted is at the grocery store, but he's lying so much he didn't even, even know the can't truth even keep anymore. Straight, yeah, can't keep it straight. And it has that has to be so hard, you know, trying to shield Ted and keep this secret and hide his embarrassment. But I think it just finally gets to be too much. Like, he's trying to juggle all these lies and trying to keep him his face together. And- he is at a mental breakdown. Yeah. Like, I mean, emotional breakdown, actually. That was a lot. And I'm proud of him for, like, trying to keep it within the family. You know, within he, just he and Ted. Right. Um, but it gets to the point where Ted clearly doesn't give a damn. He didn't got, not yeah. call you not once. You out here lying on his behalf. You looking crazy. Matter of fact, right. you look it like look, the tweaker. Yeah, it look like you. Look, you, you yeah, you're you the look, one doing something wrong. Yeah. yeah, and so he finally just breaks down and he admits to them that Ted disappeared and he doesn't know where he is. And Emmett has been suffering in silence this For whole days. time. Yeah, and you know, I wanted Emmett to not be in this alone, but I completely understand why he didn't want to pull anyone else into it. Yet. Right. Like, and then especially after the money came up, like it's one yeah. thing you doing drugs and running off. But now you still into. I definitely can't yeah, involve no it's just one. Like how embarrassing, but also like then he would have to acknowledge it. See, Emmett's been trying to turn a blind eye to Ted's behavior for a while now. It started mm-hmm. with the pills and the dr- and the drinking and that sort of thing. And then it just kept snowballing from there. And so he's been pretending that, oh, he's been excusing it all away. Or, oh, he's just having a hard time or he can't catch a break or, you know, every little thing in life is going wrong. But now it's like, okay, I can't make excuses for him anymore. Right. Or it was getting really hard to make those excuses. So. I could see why he didn't want to address it with them because then he had to admit the truth of it to himself. Girl. And so I know he loves Ted. He doesn't want Ted to be judged harshly by their by their friends. They love each other, but we know the gang can be a little harsh, a little judgy. No, they harsh, especially the lesbians. <laughs> Male is cutthroat. She don't yes, give a damn, okay? Yeah. Well, anyway, so, yeah, he just tells them that he hasn't heard from Ted in days. Mm. Yeah. 
Over at the comic shop, Hunter is chilling, and he is not helping at all, <laughs> but he is reading a copy of Rage. He says he's not a fan, but I think that's just, like, obligatory teenage contrariness. Girl, you're definitely a yeah. fan. Because there's, what he says was, um, gay dudes, I mean, um, something about the superheroes, and gay dudes just want to get their dick sucked. Last time I checked, JT had a big old rage penis in his mouth. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, he was just hating, doing the typical yeah. hunter shit. Yeah, I think so. Because there are tons of comics in that store. And if he wanted to move on to a different one, he, sure he would have. Yeah. Uh, well, Hunter's main gripe with rage is that a hot, hunky superhero like rage would never exist. Not in a million years. Well, in walks. Rage himself, Baby. sex hair and all. And he came in, look, did he not look delicious? Like, I, didn't you want to taste? I wanted to taste. And he came yeah. with those shades on and hair up. Oh, yeah. Yes. He like he rolled out of bed and threw on some clothes and that leather jacket and, <laughs> and those looks, shades. Mm, and, yeah. Delicious. Delicioso. Mm -hmm. Well, Michael is surprised to see him. He thought Brian would be out looking for jobs. Well, he is just a different kind of job. <laughs> More like a blow something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And Michael says, well, what's the matter? Is Justin having dental work? Uh. <laughs> Brian's there to tell him that since all the hookup spots have been closed down, he's throwing a party at his house. And he's brought pictures of the guest list in case Michael and Ben want to come. I think Brian is showing off because now Michael can be persuaded to come watch Brian but work ben his way through the guest list. But Ben is not doing a damn thing like that. No. Okay, that is not Ben Stilo. Okay, right. like he would never do that. <laughs> no. Okay. So he's definitely showing off. He is. Yo, guess who come to my house? Okay, yeah. like, you're tied down. I got a young fun one. You know, like, basically rubbing in his face. Yeah. Well, Hunter says Ben and Michael go to bed at nine, but he's available. <laughs> Hunter is shooting his shot. Okay, you know? I, I I don't blame him. You know, it's like, you know, this is a potential client. Facts. You know, Brian you know? is. And yeah, so, he sees, mm -hmm. this boy, the way his eyes lighten up, that is not a potential client, okay? <laughs> that is his soulmate, okay? As everybody else has the same eyes for Brian. Yeah. Okay, like, he letting them know, like, they old, but I'm not paying. Like, yeah. Okay, what, what time is the party? You want, where is it? <laughs> What's the dress code? Yeah, let me know. I, I'll be there. Yeah. Oh, I think one blonde teenager is all Brian can handle. And also, Hunter is definitely underage and not Brian's type. Well, Brian's clearly in the loop and been talking to Michael because he quickly puts it together that this is the kid that Michael and Ben have taken in. Mm -hmm. And he says, well, I think what you're doing is incredibly generous and altruistic and noble. And Brian rarely gives out a straight compliment. But I think he... Two varying degrees means some of I those think he words. It. Yeah, because he doesn't hold back his opinions when he thinks that Michael should not do something or when he thinks Michael is wrong. And he's not telling him, you don't need to do this. You're wrong. Get him out right now if you know what's good for you. And when he said it, it was like on, it was like a caring but playful. You know, like, so, yeah. yes, he was, you know, making fun. But at the same time, I think he believes it. You yeah. Know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's definitely not telling Michael it's the wrong move. So. Yeah, I think he recognizes Well, he really can't say the same because he did the same thing with Justin. Right. He did take him in because <laughs> yeah. he was like, this is a better situation for him. Mm -hmm. So he took him in. Yeah. So we see Emmett asleep on the couch and Ted is slipping back in the door. Girl, hell I no. I can't even look at him. No. Like, like I said, during the show, the locks would have been motherfucking changed. Yeah. And you need to knock to let me know you're here. Okay. <laughs> no, you're going to finally call. Okay. And matter of fact, when you call and I see the call ID, you're going to leave a message because I'm not answering a damn thing. You're going to be out there for a couple of days. I know you're back now. It, no, the locks would have been changed. Something would have happened. Yeah. You're not going to just come in with the same ass key coming here looking like some tired shit. Like, that's what you. <laughs> That's not what you're about to do. Oh, uh, Emmett asks where he's been because he's been missing for three nights. And I think Emmett knew exactly where he was. 
he knew that that guy at Babylon was telling the truth uh, when he said that Ted was at the white party because if he doubted that, he would have called the police and filed a missing persons report or something if he wouldn't have been hiding it from the friends if he really thought Ted was lost and in danger for three nights. Right. So he knew exactly what was what was going on. But for on. one, the money came up missing, so he knew. Like, mm-hmm. he mm-hmm. knew. And like you said, he was trying to hide, you know, he was turning a blind eye to the drink and, and the pills and stuff. And then when he saw the tweaker, the tweaker knew, because, you know, clearly Ted spoke to those um, guys on the street. Right. So when he saw the tweaker, the tweaker gave the information up. Yes, I mean, it clicked in the club scene. It, Michael's yeah. eyes was like, what? That's I don't why believe he was it. like, let's just, but, go. Yeah. let's just go. He didn't want to face that truth, exactly. but he knew it was true. The light yeah. bulb came on for Emmett in that moment. So yeah. he knew it. And in this scene, even though Emmett is upset, he does ask Ted if he's all right. And so it's like, he loves him, even though he's hurt by him. Loves him. him. Yeah. Well, Ted says he's fine, but he needed to get away. And I'm thinking, didn't you just get away last weekend? How you got hooked up with these fools anyway. Right. Yeah. He says he meant to call, but he wasn't in a good place. And Emmett says, that's funny, because he always heard that Palm Springs is a good place. Uh Um, That part. (laughs) Yeah. And he asks him, how did you know? Not a... I'm sorry, or I should have told you, or here's why I went. It was like, how did you know? So, like that response right there, he lucky. Yeah, that how I didn't remorseful kick... are you? Yeah, like boy, like come on now. Like, yeah, I didn't wait it up three nights in a row, and all you're gonna say is, how did I know? Right, I've been there it... lying to everybody. Yeah, to myself above all, and yeah, yeah. Mm-mm. You know, this scene is hard, and I want to say on the front end, like we are only speaking about this specific context and this specific story with these two characters like we're not getting all judgy about addiction i know how firm the grip of addiction can be on a person and i know it can be a long and hard battle not just for the addict but for everyone around them uh so we're only providing commentary on this couple this situation these scenes um and i think we're supposed to have thoughts and feelings and opinions on it because that's why they put it out there uh, because they wanted us to see it from Ted's point of view, from Emmett's point of view. And I think it's okay that we are frustrated with Ted, but we can still love Ted. I was about to say, we still love him. We're not throwing him out to the trash. We're disappointed in him, you know? Yeah. We expected more from Ted. Oh, I know mm-hmm. I did. I, I can't mm-hmm. speak for everyone else. Like, I hate to see him making these decisions. Like, it, I literally feel sick on, at these scenes. Right. But... And to see the hurt over Emmett, you know, right. like I'm glad he's standing his ground. He's saying what he needs to say, but he's still saying it in a caring way. I mean, yeah, he's backing it, it up with, but are you okay? Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, it just, it hurt, it hurt me to see Emmett hurting. Yeah, you know? yeah. Well, Ted does tell him that he's never been to White Party and he wanted to go. And he says he had the time and the money. Well, Emmett knows where that money came from. That's mm-hmm. Gus's money. You did not have the money. And Emmett has been working all these little side jobs to cover their expenses ever since Ted had to forfeit the business Mm -hmm. and pay all those fines. And you're going to use your quote unquote extra money to go to the white party with someone else and not me. Right. (laughs) Baby, I'm over here paying bills and stressed. And you over here lollygagging with some new people. Mm -hmm. Baby. Yeah. And like you said, I love that Emmett doesn't just sweep this under the rug. He's not over the top and he's not overly harsh, but he's not going to pretend nothing happened. He's not going to pretend that he's not hurt and upset about it. He says, how could you steal money from a baby? Ted says, well, I have every intention to pay them back with interest. And Emmett says that he already paid them back. He used the money that he had set aside to buy a new commercial grade oven for his business. That was an investment in him and in his growing business. And he used that. To give up to save you and bail yeah, you out out yeah. of embarrassment because he saved really saving right. his name too you yeah, know this, yeah this is that's he's protecting Ted's image y- yes yeah so like boy 
And he was yeah. about to lie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You were going to fix yeah. him to tell a lie. Yeah. And Emmett says he didn't do it just for Ted. He did it for the girls as well. So they wouldn't have to look at someone they trust and love and realize that he's become a liar and a thief. Because addiction doesn't just affect the addict. No, it doesn't. <laughs> Here's Emmett trying to protect Ted's image and the love that the girls have for him. And that's a lot. It was a lot. It was very noble of him, I will say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, if... If it happened to me in real life, you're gone for three days. I mean, drugs are no drugs. You still yeah. pick up a phone. Right. I'm literally worried. I, I don't know if you were kidnapped, killed, or you would strange new people. Who knows what could have happened? Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if I could have still been in understanding. Yeah. And I, I may, might have, would have given Mel and them half their money. You know, like, <laughs> hey, I'm sorry to them, but yeah. have, maybe may I can get Vic to come with the other half. For you know what I'm saying? Let me yeah. get this up because we Let still need to pay these bills. Let me get some other events on the calendar yeah, and you know, then I can, yeah. Get a start. Okay. <laughs> But uh, I don't know if I could have gave it up, given up everything. Yeah. You know? Well, to lighten the mood before we ha- head into the next scene, there's a, a picture of uh, Jackie O in the background on the wall there in that classic pink outfit that Emmett had on at David and Michael's party. Oh, <laughs> you know I love that party, girl. Yes, yes. Okay. Well, over at the diner, Hunter wants to know if Michael and Brian have ever... Um, Fucked. Yeah. <laughs> Michael first acts like he didn't understand what he's asking. Excuse me? And then he says, no. And Hunter figured as much. And he said, Michael's not Brian's type. Hunter is so <laughs> rude, but I loved it. Okay? Yeah. Michael's best comeback is neither are you. Mm-hmm. And Hunter says, we'll see about that. <laughs> I wish um, Ben would have been like, I have. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. I've been with him. Ben is probably so mad he could spit. Like, the last thing he wants is somebody else under his roof worshiping Brian. Brian. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, Debbie comes over with a very fancy Sunday for Hunter, and uh, he is not interested in that. He's not a nine-year-old. The usual. Hunter yeah. went off their handles with it, okay? Yeah. I'm surprised Debbie didn't come across his face. Yeah, well, she says he could use some manners, and I think her brand of uh, of parenting is probably good for him. Yes, strict <laughs> concern, okay? Yeah, somebody who's going to, like, throw it back at you, but they're not going to write you off. Like, Mm-mm. that might be something good for him. Well, as he's walking out of the diner, something catches his eye, and it's a picture of Jason Kemp there on the wall. Uh, they have a little in, in memory of photo of him, and Debbie notices this, and so she comes over and she's like, "Hey, did you did you know him?" She asks if he was also a hustler, and Hunter says that Jason was just starting out, and he didn't know the ropes yet. He didn't know who to go with, who not to go with, or when to collect the money, and you know, all this stuff. He was very new at it. And Debbie says, well, if, if you know something, you should say something. Well, there's street code, but also you got to protect yourself. And Facts. it's like, I would be hesitant to go blabbing around about something that got someone else killed. Especially like, when he still got to work those same corners. Right. You know? And they haven't solved the case. They haven't found who did it. And so like, mm-mm. Yeah, no. I I understand, that's on the hush hush. I understand him. Yeah. I mean, baby, you hips. can't protect me either. Right. <laughs> <So> like, <laughs> yeah. On the hush. Hunter says he doesn't know anything other than the fact that Jason owed him 50 bucks. Well, Debbie pulls it from her own pocket and she's like, here, now you're even, you know, now it's your turn to do something for him. And Hunter says that the night that Jason was killed, they were at a bar and Jason went off with a trick. And Hunter says he warned him not to go with this guy, but Jason needed the money. So he went anyway. They ask if Hunter knows who the guy was and he says, that he does, and they say, okay, well, you need to report that. And he's like, yeah, right, they would never arrest him. And then they say, why? Well, he leaves them to figure that out, which Debbie does, and she goes right to Carl because she puts it together that it was likely a cop. Yeah. Even if he didn't do it, he was involved and he knows something. Yeah, and that's a little bit too close because 
Y'all already didn't show any interest at all in trying to solve the case. Right. And now to find out that this dude either is a cop or works closely with cops, mm-hmm. I mean, it's looking a little fishy now. Yeah, for sure. Well, Carl's like, why should I take the word of a hustler? They're liars and thieves and addicts. And and see, this is the problem. You can't decide who is a credible witness just because of their profession. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you need to talk to everyone. Right. You never know. Even if he was telling a lie, it could have been some truth, 1% truth in that mm-hmm. whole story that you could have mm-hmm. taken with you. And you just don't ever, ever know. Victim uh, shame. Okay, well, yeah. Well, and I had a real life story. So I was at this very cute, quaint little bakery with uh, my mom the other day. And this woman walks in and my mom was spilling the tea. So she was telling me, she's like, ooh, that lady got caught. She was stealing like narcotics or whatever from uh-uh. the job that they worked at. And this lady, I mean, like, put together like very nice had her pearls on like older right. woman like you would never ever right. expect it so you just never know That's why, don't judge a book by its cover you cannot that book was rotten the yeah. way you're talking about okay like it, yeah. it had water rot on the pages mm-hmm. like i mean yeah like as my mom's telling me this i'm like trying to not be obvious about staring at this woman but i'm like oh my gosh i would never ever never. ever ever this is like lifetime movie type stuff right. like i would never think this woman would be but you just don't ever know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so anyway, sorry. Well, we well, we said last time that we share personal stories. So y'all just got one. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> from me. So Debbie says you could at least talk to him. And Carl says, what if he's just identifying a cop out of retaliation? What if the cop made him move from his corner or arrested him or his trick or something like that? And, and he does have a valid point. It is. It's very valid. But at the same time, bro, you haven't even investigated it. Right. Though. Exactly. That's the thing. That's like, not the only angle to consider. Yeah. Like, he could just be telling the truth. Yeah. And Debbie says, hey, it's a lead. The least you could do is follow it. It'll either lead you somewhere or nowhere. Or nowhere. Yeah. And Carl tells her that it has been co- cold cased by the higher ups, a.k.a. Stockwell. And basically, they've been told to leave it alone. And I want to know, did it ever get a chance to be a hot case? It was never a hot case. It was already over before they even removed the body from the dumpster. Two days later, he was already dumpster boring. Y'all had given up. Yeah. It was never on the hot burner. We got nothing. We can't find a name or anything. That's why Debbie did all the damn work. It was never the hot case, ever. It was already cold when they found him cold. You know what I'm saying? Like, that was it. Yeah. So Debbie is pleading with him to try to do something, but Carl tells Mrs. Novotny that he does not take orders from her. Not now, Mrs. Carl, Novotny. Yes, and Carl, I liked you. I was rooting for you. Me too, but she should have <laughs> turned into young Deborah and gave his ass a little something, okay? <laughs> she got to thaw him out, like Ray, like JT had to do with Ray. That She's part, got- okay. She better do something. Okay, you got you got that pretty mouth, girl. Okay, it's big. Better use it, because Horvath is getting... He frozen on you, girl. Yeah. Uh. So, Michael and Emmett are at Woody's, and Emmett is telling him about Teddy's little trip to Crystal Land and Michael can't imagine it. He can't. It's like Ted knows better than to get involved with that, which is what we were. We've been saying like Ted knows better. He wouldn't do that. And then Emmett says that he could have killed him, but he also just wanted to hug him and tell him that everything is going to be all right. Well, Ted shows up and he tells Michael that it was just a lost weekend and it's all over. It was his first and last white party. And I kind of feel like Emmett, like I'm upset, but I'm also a bit sympathetic. Uh, but Ted's not really apologizing. I don't need to see him grovel from his knees or anything. I just want to say, but... I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Yeah. That's it. Oh, I'm sorry. I hope you forgive me. I know it may take some time, but he didn't say any of this. Well, and I think I want some acknowledgement that in Ted's misery, he has made Emmett miserable as well. Mm-hmm. You know? So it's like, 
I know you're struggling, but you're not struggling alone. In fact, I blame Ted for Emma's haircut. <laughs> oh, because baby, baby, I love everything about this show, but one thing they did not do right was got my baby haircut right. Okay, like I don't know if it's a mullet. I don't know what is he rocking. I don't what know do you what he's rocking, that? but I'm blaming Ted. I'm blaming it on Ted. Those short he's little got, scrappy he's, bangs. Yeah, like, <laughs> he's got Emmett so flustered he can't even get his hair together. Emmett like. chopped his own with the kitchen scissors. Okay. <laughs> He said, forget the shears. Let's go get the yeah, kitchen scissors. Okay? got it worried. He in there, yeah, cutting his own hair. Ugh, it's a mess. Yeah, so Emma's been covering for him with their friends. He has cleaned up the messes that Ted has made. And he has stayed right by his side faithfully through all of this. And I don't know, you don't have to hand out awards for him being a good person or a good partner. But you don't just take and take and take. For me to go, be gone. Do all these drugs, don't invite you, still for my friends, come home like nothing ever happened, and you still down for me and you still love me. Maybe that's wife material. You wipe them up. Well, Emmett is handling this better than than I could. Like, I'm still not sure if it's a good thing the way that Emmett is handling this. And I'll go into more detail on that later, even if not in this episode, maybe another one. But I know me as Ishelle, I know what I can and cannot handle. And I think this might be too much for me. And I might have to jump ship because I know what my emotional capacity is for things like this. Mm-hmm. And I think I could lo- I can love you and support you from over here, but I don't think I can be in that space right. with you because I think I would either lose myself trying to save you or be there for you mm-hmm. or I will hate you. And right. honestly, probably both. Yeah, I'm about to say, like, I, I would go to I'm losing myself where my every thought is trying to save you and then that's going to turn into resentment, which is right. going to turn into hate. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But Emmett is not me. <laughs> Luckily for Ted. And Ted says that when he, so he was there at their, their apartment and he says when he woke up, Emmett was gone. And Emmett's like, well, I needed to get away. Surely you can understand that. Yeah. But then he asks that he's glad that Ted got some rest. And so, I mean, he loves him and he's upset, but he's sympathetic, mm-hmm. you know, this whole time. He's angry and has every right to be, but but he does love him. And this is Ted, who has been kind and loving and supportive toward Emmett for years. And even something like this can't erase that. Can't right, erase you just that can't shut it off. Mm-mm. Yeah. Ted wants to explain or say something, but Emmett cuts him off. And he says, no, I know exactly what happened. One day, you're Ted Schmidt, my best friend and the love of my life. And the next, you're Ted Schmidt, circuit boy. Because Ted has been acting like nothing has gone on. But here, he's like, okay, well, I did try it. But, you know, can you blame me? I'm a late bloomer. And um, I low-key kind of feel that, though. Like, he never has ever stepped on the wild side, you know, like ever. I hate that he went so far left, but I feel like he needed to get his feet wet in something. He was going to always live in that what-if land if he didn't. He never partied. He never went to the white party. He never got the hookups like Brian. He, it was always going to be like those nevers. I'm glad he yeah. actually tried something. Well, I just wish he didn't go I wish it far. wasn't this that he yeah. tried. And also, I wish that he would have had that conversation with Emmett on the front end and said, hey, I feel like I need to try some things in life. You can stay with me during that or if you choose Correct. to... If we need to go on pause and freeze things while I go do this over here, like, I understand saying, hey, I need to explore some life or I, this is what I feel like I need for me right now. I don't think anybody needs Crystal. Right. No. But no if it was like, no I need why. some experiences or I need whatever. That's a conversation that you have beforehand, you know. And I feel like he's not being very truthful because the last weekend you were doing Crystal. Yep. You know? And you were doing Crystal when you made the decision to go to the white party. Yep. So it's not like you just got to the white party and everybody else was doing you And you were like, oh, I'm just going to try it. And that's the picture that you're painting for Emmett, and that right. is not true. So. I agree. 
<laughs> I agree. <laughs> I do. I was just saying, I, I, I'm wanting yeah. him to experience something. No, no, no. Not no that, I totally you know? understand yes. needing to have experiences in life and needing to, and like, okay, I've never gone out. I want to go out. Or I've never dated somebody. I want to date somebody. Right, or right. I've never done this or whatever. I totally understand that. But when you're in a relationship with somebody mm-hmm. and expectations have already been clearly communicated and set and you're going to make a change to that, you owe it to that person. To do that on the front end. Facts. But yeah, Ted's already lying and omitting things. And yes. Yeah. And he's not really saying anything about the men that he's been with, he, even mm-hmm. before the white before party. Before the white party. Like, I want to back up to the, right. the Maple Leaf Inn. That part, okay. Weekend, okay. <laughs> I mean, uh, hopefully he's going to get there. Maybe the crystal is also a truth serum. Maybe it's going to bring something out of yeah. him while he's on, on recovery. Yeah. Um. Well, Ted says it's in the past and tomorrow is a new day. He wanted the experience because he thought he needed it and he's ready to move on. Like tomorrow morning, life begins anew. I'm like, maybe for you, but I don't just move on like that. I... I don't. I'm gonna need three days, at least three nights. <laughs> at me. least. Now I'm gonna be gone yeah. for three nights. <laughs> so you ain't gonna know where I'm at. Yeah. Do not hit the cell phone because it won't be answered. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, he tells him he's thinking of starting a new business and becoming a financial planner. And I'm like, well, you failed your first client horribly. Yeah, baby. No one's stressing you. Don't ask them for no recommendation. (laughs) Yeah, but first he's going to go to Melanie and Lindsay and tell them the truth and apologize. And then he's going to find a way to make it up to Emmett. So we'll see. Then we see Debbie and she just lets herself into the Kenny residence. And this orgy is in full swing. Like, Debbie. At the (laughs) door. Okay, for one, when he knocked, when you knocked and no one answered, there was your key. You're cute to knock again and then turn your ass around. Yeah, and you know you heard all that grunting and moaning. When you opened the door and you heard all, before you came around the corner, you heard the grunting and moaning. Baby knew what she was getting into. Debbie a little freak. Young Deborah wanted to see. Young Deborah tried to get her a peek. That part, okay. She went, maybe I'm going to get a peek of this Kenny ass. Okay. She's going to see see what Michael been wanting all these years. Yeah, see what the fuss is about. Yeah, let me see. Yeah, uh, I'm kind of surprised that Brian is allowing all this, like, wide open tail to be all over his furniture. But I said, girl, they didn't trash the loft. Like, it's fun and dandy to have a few people over and y'all have your little orgy, but these motherfuckers are rude. Like, they they don't have, like, they are not clean at all. Sheets down or nothing. They just, like, all that fancy furniture. Everything, okay? Uh, Everything. And I just don't think you can get out every spot and stain. Oh, no. You sure can't. Germ. Yeah. Knowing how he likes to walk around naked, like, his back on the furs and stuff, (laughs) on the carpets. I mean, like, no. Yeah. Oh, no. No, no, no. Mm -mm. What was that? They haven't cleaned. What place was it? They didn't clean up the cum on the floors. Baby, that's your your place now. For real. Okay. Was it the Adonis, baby? Yes, boy. That's what it was, the Adonis. Your place is the new Adonis, okay? Yeah. Mm-mm, Brian. So she goes over and finds Brian. Also, I want to know who cleans the loft and how much he pays that person. Right. Well, I mean, he must have a cleaning lady because yeah. it's always spotless. And I would just throw away sheets. Like, I don't even think I would wash them. Right. I would just like, that sheet's over. That's uh, done. Uh, everything from that <laughs> night should be burned. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, so Brian is in the middle of someone, and he is also snorting something, some cocaine, I guess. Yeah, well, maybe. Well, we know it ain't crystal. Yeah, okay? like, yeah. We know it ain't the crystal. So, maybe. It could be snorting X. He could be snorting that special yeah. case stuff they have. But it's something. It's interesting to see in the same episode, Brian's recreational drug use, which sometimes does flirt with abuse, Brian's drug use. Right. Um, And then to see Ted's also, and... Because I think a lot of people use substances for different reasons. Mm-hmm. And 
Some people have control over what they're doing, and some people lose that control. And this is just an added excitement for him. Right. And hell, he doesn't even need it. You know what I'm saying? Like right. he doesn't. It's, it's just, just like a party enhancer. It is, for him. and he got multiple people in his house. It's it's a fun time enhancer. We know for a fact, looking from season one to up to now, Ted has never really been happy with himself and really content. Right. So he's using drugs as a filler. Mm-hmm. That's the wrong thing. That's how you become addicted because Brian has a good control over what he does, you yeah. know? Now, sometimes he goes too far when life is going on and he doesn't know how to handle it. But for the most part, when we see him, it is... In very, very controlled. Rec- very, yeah, very recreational. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like me. So I, my rule about drinking is I never drink out of emotion or into emotion. Mm-hmm. I never drink because, like, I feel sad. I'm going to drink wine. And I never say, I'm sad. I'm going to drink myself happy. Like, mm-hmm. if I want to drink, just have a drink. But if I feel like I'm doing it into an emotion or out of an emotion, I won't do it. Right. Because I never want to let that rule over me. Mm-hmm. Well, Debbie is there to pass on some information. Uh, she wants to tell him what, what Hunter told her. And Brian wants to know why she's telling him. And I kind of ask myself that, too. Like, okay, why are you telling why are you telling Brian? Like, I, I still people... don't understand why she came there <laughs> yeah. to tell Brian. Like... Yeah, but I guess she sees it as an opportunity for Brian to stick it to Stockwell. Because I guess the thinking is, okay, if this is someone on your force who's being accused of this, you're going to work really hard to clear their name. And so in trying to clear your guy, maybe you'll uncover the truth right. of who really did it. Mm-hmm. And so maybe she's thinking... I don't think she went that far with it. <laughs> I don't think she went that far with it at all. I, mean, I don't know why she came there. For one, Brian doesn't have no end with Stockwell. He wouldn't even be able to get close to Stockwell anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, period. You can't and call him... And he's got no credibility to Stockwell right now. Yeah, so, so... Yeah, I just thought that... I remember... I guess now I can kind of understand it, but the first time I watched this episode, I was like, "Why in the world of, of all the people? Why is she going come to me? Coming yeah. to Brian? Yeah, mm-hmm. like what? What is she? Why does he have to be the one to take to take this on?" But anyway, Debbie goes and drops off that information, and Brian just kind of tells her, "Debbie, I'm I'm busy. Yeah, baby, <laughs> so, hit me so, tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, we can talk later about that." So then we see Ben and Michael, and they are having their own party in their bedroom, uh, mm-hmm. or they are about to, but mm-hmm. Ben's mind is elsewhere. He says, oh, well, there's this course I'm teaching, and this chapter I'm stuck on, but really, Hunter is out on the street. He hasn't come home yet, and after hearing about this trick who turned deadly for Jason Kemp, Ben is worried. He's worried yeah. about Hunter, and so he's not in the mood to get it on with, with Michael. Which is understandable. That that sounds like Ben, you mm-hmm. know, like very caring and, you know, like he's not selfish like that. So, I mean, that that's understandable. It sounds like him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Michael's a little bit frustrated, but. I would be too, but I understand. Yeah. Yeah. If his, if his mind's not in it, then he's the not head, going in it. The little head ain't going to be in it either. <laughs> if the big head ain't in it, the little head ain't going to be in it. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, then we see Debbie at home on the couch shoveling in Cheetos like a woman after my own heart. And uh, Vic right. and Rodney walk in. They've been out shopping and Vic needed a new mattress. Okay, Uncle Vic. <laughs> he just wore them sprangs out. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> that old yum yum bouncy bouncy. Yeah. Well, he Vic wants to know why Debbie is in such a bad mood. And she tells him that Carl looked right through her when she went to the station. She was going there to tell him about this thing that Hunter told her regarding Jason Kemp's case, of course. And she says he just treated her like a stranger, looked right through her. And she says he's like a cheese doodle, not in size. But uh, <laughs> once you start, you just want more. She misses uh, and, her yeah, man. She misses him because she did open herself up to this relationship. Remember, she had been very closed off to that idea. Mm-hmm. And then she got on board with it. And 
I think she really had feelings for Carl, and they had that very unfortunate misunderstanding a couple episodes ago, but yeah, she misses him, and that hurt to be treated like that by him at the station. I can't believe that he could turn it off that quickly mm-hmm. and treat her like that. Well, yes. I really think that's why he's being so mean, because he didn't turn it, it didn't turn off that quickly. Oh, you, oh, you know what? Girl, no, it makes sense. <laughs> it makes sense. Well, they need to stop acting like kids, though. They do. Okay, They're grown out here. Yeah, some grown people. They're 48. Here. Thank you. Stop saying that. Well, she okay. is. <laughs> it's not my fault. She's 48. No. Okay. Then Debbie. I don't um, know. <laughs> why did they even write that? She should have the baby at 27. I, I told you Debbie is 48 and Jennifer is. You know what? I have a copy of the script from the pilot. How old is Jennifer? She's in her 30s. I'm going to have to show it to you. Don't so, you wait. roll your don't you do your eyes like that at me. That's what the script says. Okay. You tell me Jennifer is literally big sister status to Michael and, and Brian. Yeah, and I don't I know she's not. She could be 40 now in season three, but in season one, she's not 40. Oh, Lord. I'm going to pull it up. You think I'm lying, but I don't lie. I'm so, going to show so you. So Jennifer was busting early then. Okay. <laughs> she was busting early. She told y'all she had, she had some wild nights. When she I was see. Going. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah, maybe Craig ain't you know, just daddy. Who knows? We don't know how long they've been together. Who knows? Yeah. Sure, been I'd be okay teenager. with that. I'd be okay with Craig not that being his part. daddy. But yeah, back to them though. They need to get it together. Just because I like when they were together. Mm-hmm. So I want Horvath and I want um, young Deborah to you know get it back together. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Well, the next morning, Hunter is heading out and Ben tells him to wear a hat and gloves like a good parent <laughs> because it's cold outside. And Michael says, be sure to wear your rubbers. Like, okay, there we go. Yeah. He should maybe talk less. I think uh, so. But he does give Hunter a key as Hunter is leaving and Michael says he does it as a convenience for them so like they don't have to interrupt themselves to let him in. But That's a lie. He knows that Ben is worried when Hunter's not there and they're not home. And so he's doing this for Ben. But also, I think in learning to love Ben by supporting him in this. He's, he's taking a liking for Hunter He's getting well. on board with it, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, okay, maybe I, can, maybe I can compromise a little bit here. Maybe I can trust a little more here. So I just yeah. want him to stop. Complaining and whining when I you know you're gonna do it. Not comment. Yeah. yeah, like, like okay, he's a hustler. Got it. Yeah, okay. we knew that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Justin comes over to the loft the morning after Brian's party, and uh, he comments that it must have been an elegant affair. <laughs> and Brian says, "You should have been here. You should have been there." And he tries to kiss Justin, but he looks like he reeks. So no smooches for you, Mister Kenny. None. Uh, Justin was helping Daphne study for midterms. He could have come if he wanted to. He was clearly invited, but he let Brian have this. And, you know, I think Justin does enjoy tricking, and I do think he's very sexually charged, but I don't think he needs it like Brian does. Mm -mm. And, you know, maybe Brian does stuff like this occasionally, like at the loft. But remember, we're dealing with a Brian who just lost his job and the partnership at this top ad agency, and he worked very hard to secure those things. So Justin knows that he's not... He knows that about Brian. He knows, okay, Brian's just gone through a whole lot of stuff. He doesn't have a job right now. And so he's just kind of suspended in this weird thing right now. So I think just Brian, Brian does, have this. I think he does sport fucking. <laughs> and um, that was just one of those times, you know, like, yeah, he hasn't, Brian probably hasn't been jobless in forever. I mean, in order to get to where he is now, that mean, he was in great schools. So he was always. Well, you know that Kenny's had no money, so he probably worked yeah, yeah. his way through college. Worked his way through college. You know, paid yeah. for his own expenses. Exactly. So I mean, like, so he had a job young, we'll say, in my mind. But we know for a fact, working his way through college, we know that he was in great school, so that tuition probably was super expensive. 
Then he had to bust his ass and grind to get where he was. Then this boy has never had a break, you know, right. really. So I mean, I would take this time too to like sow my royal oaks too. <laughs> well, mm-hmm. he's been he does it all the time, but I feel like this is something that he needed. This is how he was processing what's going on in life with him right now. And Justin knows that, so he ain't bothered by it. He's like, okay, yeah, go do your thing. Have your fun. I don't think Justin will be bothered anyway. Yeah, no. And also, this is just Brian enjoying his sexual freedom. Mm-hmm. He can't do that at the club right now, so he's doing it at his home. Right. So that's just what it is. Okay, so you asked me a few episodes ago if I thought Justin was living at the loft, and I didn't really answer you. Okay, well, he's not, but I was jealous because I didn't pick up on that my first watch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I was jealous that you noticed it and I didn't when I watched it the first time. Mm-hmm. But in my defense, I was binge watching it the first time. True. And so I missed a ton of stuff. And with this being my second watch, I'm still, I'm sure I'm still missing some things. Like, I feel like you have to watch this show like four or five times. Right. And you truly... pick up something different yeah, every time. Yeah. But, uh, so yeah, no, he does not live, um, I don't think he's living Well, don't feel bad because you pick up on everything. <laughs> I did not see the Jackie O, you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, that was I was some... just trying to avoid looking at Ted and Emmett and I saw that by right. accident. So, back to the party. Brian tells Justin that 20 of Pittsburgh's hottest gay men were there, plus Debbie. And Justin says he knows how much Debbie wants to be a gay man, but he doesn't think that they should encourage her. Uh, <laughs> Debbie came to tell him what the littlest hustler said, because uh, she thought Brian would be interested in hearing that. And Justin says, well, aren't you? And Brian tries to act all disinterested or annoyed, but I think we know better, and I think Justin knows better. And Justin says, oh, right, you want to have fun, fun, fun until your daddy takes your freedom away. And he says, in case you haven't noticed, he already has. It's just like, Brian, you can't pretend like nothing's happening. We've already gone over this. Remember, we did that. We broke weeks the ago. door. You remember, yeah, yeah, we did a couple weeks ago. We, we were hanging painted. the posters. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, <laughs> like, let's not go backwards. Like, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's there, baby. Yeah, he says, okay, but if you're fine with turning your place into the back room, that's, that's fine. Uh, but how are you going to keep a cleaning lady? <laughs> and part. Justin always knows what to say to him. He's like, Brian, you know you're not going to make this your norm. Like, Brian is way too much of a control freak, freak mm-hmm. way too much of a neat freak to do things like that. He was literally <laughs> picking condoms out of his sink. Yeah. As he was making coffee. Yeah. Like, I so, mean. <laughs> yeah. Gross. So, <laughs> yeah. But I love this challenge that Justin issues. He knows exactly how to motivate and challenge Brian. Let me just add. I'm sorry. Side note. Why the hell they didn't put the condom in the trash? Well, that's gross and disrespectful. Yes, like, come I mean, to my house and do that. Come on now, damn it. Okay, keep going. <laughs> if I provide a place for you to get your freak on, the yes. least you could do is clean up after yourself. Thank you. I mean, you gonna leave it in my damn sink now? Come yeah. on. Ugh. Anyway, so <laughs> Justin is on to Brian, and he knows that Brian has taken in, taken on board that information that Debbie gave him. He's like, maybe I don't know what you're gonna do with it yet, but I know that you heard it, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So Ted is doing what he said he would do. He go. He is there with Melanie and Lindsay, and he is confessing and apologizing to them. And Lindsay says it's very brave of him to come and own up to what he did. But Melanie says, okay, thank you, and, you know, we'll see. She's just saying you're sorry is one thing and meaning it is another. Well, Emmett is not very happy about their responses. And Melanie says that, she's like, it's not that I don't accept his apology. I'm just saying we'll wait and see. And she doesn't feel bad for Ted. She's like, no, I don't feel sorry for him. He's a drug drug user. Well, Emmett is livid because he wants them to show more compassion because that's what he's been doing this whole time. Uh, And Melanie, he's like, I thought you were his friends. And then Melanie says, well, we are his friends, good friends. 
but she's not going to excuse it and let him abuse them or or Emmett. I mean, she has some good points there. Yeah, but, but it's, at the it's same like time, tone and yeah, timing no. and yeah, yeah, it's the tone. You you treated him like he was just some random off the street. Mm-hmm. I mean, we are his friends. No, you're not because I'll be like, I'm disappointed in you. I I accept your apology, but I mean, you got to do. But I mean, like, accept it. Yeah, and then hey, make him really, do better. If you need yeah. some help, please know that we are here to help you. Like, she was cold hearted, girl. She was like, I, now I, I will say I do think she has some valid points. No, it was valid, but you don't have to be yeah. that damn cold. But you don't. Yeah, there's a time. For truth, and there's a time for just compassion. And that's what she needed. Some comp- Clearly, yeah. this man sat here, told you what he was going through. Mm-hmm. You know him better than anybody, male. He confides in you the most. Y'all go shopping for shit. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, he didn't hang out with nobody like that but you. Yeah. And you don't have no damn friends but Lita. You know what I'm saying? You don't even have her no more. <laughs> right. So, I mean, yeah. uh, girl, I mean, to have no compassion, like, that was just like, uh uh-uh. uh. Mm, girl, next. I was glad Emmett got on their tails, okay? Yeah. Well, Emmett says, well, Ted's not abusing me, but Melanie challenges that. And Emmett's like, no, he's counting on me to be there for him, to believe in him, and to help him put his life back together. That does sound a little bit enabling. Yeah, it's enabling. Um, and, you know, in this whole scene, what I remember is Melanie and Lindsay saw Ted break down. I'm sorry. Melanie and Lindsay saw Emmett break down in the kitchen. They saw him all panicky and and anxious and worried and crying so you over think what they're Ted coming was doing. to his defense i think in a way i think melanie thinks that she is mm-hmm. she's like no wh- what he's doing to you is wrong like he's making you feel like that right. when you suffer like that that is wrong that's a form of abuse is what is what melanie is saying again but was you this can't, the right time no, was that the right time maybe probably not because you can't tell someone i mean it's like i don't know you just can't come at someone's loved one and expect them just to roll over. Right. And know? especially because if you see how defensive Emmett has been, you have to com- talk to people in a way and at a time when they're willing to be yeah. able to listen and, and they take can receive it in. Their, right. the information. Because I, you know, I have that conversation with, with my sister all the time. It's like, it does no good to tell a person something before they're ready to hear it mm-hmm. or before they're willing to receive it because otherwise you're going to waste your breath. Mm-hmm. And so even though I, people can be a, disagree with me and be upset, but I do think. There is some validity to some of what Melanie is saying, but I don't think that she said it the right way she or did. at the right time. They are clear, clearly both too raw to hear that at this point. You know, on the one hand, you could say they needed that tough love, and I get that too, but but they didn't take it that way. They didn't take no. it as loving, and so... Delivery well, is everything. Yeah. Yeah. This, it's just... This whole situation is just is just hard. Well... And then Melanie goes too far when she tells Emma to stop being a silly, mean word. Yeah, I and mean, th- they just throw faggot around like it's nothing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And for one, if you're my friend, don't don't say that. Like, and that's why, was that term not bad back then? Well, and they're saying it to each other as friends, but still, that's why I'm like, Melanie, okay, you weren't just purely trying to be helpful in this because you wouldn't have said that mm-hmm. to Emma. You would have been like, hey, listen, Emma, you were crying in your kitchen, right. like. You did not know where he was for three days. That is very hurtful. But she wasn't communicating it in that way. And I think Melanie doesn't mind judging folks. No, we're, we're, <laughs> didn't she do the same? You left your whole wife. For real. With a baby. And yeah. did not come back. Girl, get out of here. Yeah, so mm, Melanie. And Lindsay is like trying to mediate Play, She's playing the fence. Yeah, the but fence. she's not completely taken up for Emmett. And she's not putting a stop to what Lindsay is saying. Like she's trying to explain, I'm sorry, to what Melanie is saying. She's trying to explain it, but, oh, She's softening ugh. up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's don't, not changing it. Don't speak it. for her. Just, yeah. Mm-hmm. She said what she said. 
Yeah, just not the time, not the right tone. Even if there's some truth in what you're saying. Yeah, that's just my opinion on it. Okay, so... It's almost like you don't kick... I'm sorry, go back. No. You don't kick a person when they're down. Yeah. You know? And that's what she was kind of doing. Right. And whatever... Whether te- sincere in this or not, like, I don't think that was... That that's not Melanie's... Yeah. Dis- yeah. That wasn't the time for her to make that determination in front of Ted and Emmett. So, Michael and Ben are outside their door heating up the hallway um, because they've been putting off this whole love making session for a while now Michael's ready okay (laughs) yeah he's in heat well so when they finally get the door open hunter is inside with a client and he is working like oh hunter you done tore your britches and you are showing your tail you showing all your ass (laughs) okay like oh boy steal your first kid what we not gonna do is turn my apartment into a bordello yeah that's that's not what we gonna do okay (laughs) so i don't like strange people up in my house i just barely gave you a key like and uh -uh. that's some grown grown ass man in here okay like and again you're not paying that one bill up in here how dare you bring some yeah, trick up in my face? that's mad disrespectful. Like, you can you talk crazy the about the soup I'm I'm feeding you or the yeah. time I'm waking you up, but don't bring somebody up in my house like that. And you just got the key. Yeah. Like, boy. Well, Ben is ready to fight because, uh, hello, Hunter is a minor. I don't care that this is his job and how he earns his money. Like, he is a minor. And when you look at him as a potential customer, you should probably you ask for some a, ID. You yeah. know he's a minor. Yeah, you know it. You know it. And even Michael is like, get out of here, take your money, or I'm going to call the cops. Um, and Hunter says, well, you never said I couldn't trick here. Oh, Lord, <laughs> like, that's what I'm saying. I didn't know I needed to clarify that. Like, I thought that was just understood. It's common sense. You be working my nerves, Hunter. <laughs> you work my last nerve, yeah. Hunter. Uh, but then Hunter says that he needs the money, and they're like, for what? You stay here with us, we feed you. And he says, for when when their kindness wears thin, like when you decide you've had enough of me, when you kick me out, I've got to have something that I can go back onto the Where street Where is the with. savings account, though? Like, I mean, what are you doing? In them pockets. Money? You see them big old jeans? Well, for real, he got them, <laughs> them wide legs and them deep yeah. pockets, okay? He puts the real meaning in deep pockets, okay? <laughs> well, Ben says, if you're just pushing us to see what the boundaries are, like, that's not going to work. Like, we want you here. But Hunter still doesn't trust that. And so this behavior is to be expected, but that doesn't mean it's not frustrating and annoying. And Hunter's intentionally written that way to be this character where you feel sorry for him and you want to love him, but also at the same time he gets on your nerves you and you can't stand, stand him. him. Yeah. <laughs> Girl. And you're like, you know what? You can just go back over to that corner, but I don't want you to go to that corner because I'm worried about you. Yes. So you can stay the night, but don't look at me. Don't talk to me because I'm mad at you. So. For real. Just, just be in here. Yeah. I want to know that you're in here, but don't don't say shit. Don't well, even look. Well, Hunter has just decided to go back to the street. And so he's No, out- he decided to go back rudely too. Don't throw the key at me. I thought I didn't caught you being disrespectful to my house. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he was a little rude in his exit. Well, while he's there standing on the street, uh, a familiar Corvette rolls up and it is Brian. Now Hunter hops in and he is very DTF. Um. He is very ready to go. Uh, and so Brian spins them off into the night. What did you think that they were? We're not gonna talk about what they actually go do, but what did you think was up when exactly what they were gonna go do? (laughs) Like, I mean, come on now. Like, Brian may give you, you know, scumbag vibes sometimes. You know, sometimes uh, when when he's messing up with Justin. But in this instance, I knew what it was. He already heard from Debbie, and he heard from um, Justin. Mm -hmm. So when he's coming to pick him up, you know, I was thinking, okay, 
I thought he was actually going to put him on the street to go hook. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but I'm glad he dialed it back. You yeah. know, brought it back. So, but I knew that he was going to use them in a good way. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, I know for some people, like, they do, some people do not like the relationship between Brian and Justin. And for differing reasons. Oh, I love that relationship. I know, I do too. It's like my, it is my favorite yes. relationship on television. But anyway, uh, I know some people don't like it. And that's cool. Your prerogative. But for some people, it's the age thing that that bothers them. But Brian is not into Justin. He likes his youthfulness and just that air of youthfulness, but not the fact that he's a youth. Like, and that's now not what he's past that. I think he yeah. likes Justin's his mind, his soul. His, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, like he everything, likes everything else about him. him. But anyway, but Sorry. Brian is not into teenage boys like that. And mm-hmm. so there was nothing about Hunter that caught Brian's eye. <laughs> also, Hunter couldn't hold a candle to Justin. Anyway. That, that is true. So, so sorry. I mean, sorry, Hunter, you're, you're but... good looking, but you're not Justin. Well, n- no one is. That part, okay. <laughs> no one can be. Y'all can't be him. Yeah. It's only one. Uh, So, then we see Emmett, Ted, and Vic, and they are out shopping, and they're shopping for the next event that, that um Emmett and Vic are going to be hosting or whatever. And Vic is asking about the new oven. It's like, hey, we talked about that. We needed it for the business. Like, it's growing, it's booming, and we got to be able to churn out our stuff faster. He's like, so what's going on with the new oven? And Emmett says, oh, well, I miscalculated, and I thought I had the money for it, but I don't have the money. And he tells that lie about him being bad at math and had the girl not helped him on the math test in the fifth, (laughs) fifth grade. He'd still be sitting there. And Vic is so perceptive and so smart, and he's just kind of like, wait a second, uh-uh. <laughs> None of that sounds right. So Ted gets a phone call and walks off, and Vic asks Emmett, well, how's Ted doing? How are things going with him? And he tells Emmett to keep an eye on him. Well, Emmett rips into Vic because he's tired of everybody challenging him on this and everybody pressuring Ted. Uh, but Ted is looking a little suspicious over on the phone over there. For one, you don't have a job. Who are you talking to? Right. We all got, we got the same friend. Yeah. But <laughs> who's calling? And why are you whispering and walking away? Yeah. Okay. Like I, you would have to stand beside me and have it on speakerphone. Yeah. Okay. Because I don't trust you right now. Mm-mm, baby, it's going to take about a couple <laughs> days for that. Yeah. So Emmett asks Vic, he's like, well, hey, how about you take over the party tomorrow so that I can have the night off? Because Vic does tell him, like, hey, you're going to want to keep an eye on him for a little while. It's going to take a while for him to get back to himself, to feel like himself again. So Emmett's going to do that. He's going to let Vic go handle this party, and he's going to check on his man. So we see Brian and Hunter, and they are at some bar, and they are looking for this cop or whoever this person is that that Hunter would recognize. Oh Well, um, while they're waiting, Hunter gets a little bored. He's like, uh, well, you know, the two of us, we can, we can get out of here. And uh, <laughs> Hunter offers to pay Brian, and Brian says, you couldn't afford me. <laughs> so the guy finally shows up, and Brian goes over to talk to him. And he's chatting him up a bit. And as he's talking to him, uh, Brian's Stockwell ad is showing on the TV there, and he starts bad-mouthing Stockwell. And Brian wanted to see if he was a cop. Because mm-hmm. if you're a cop, you want to see where did he fall on the Stockwell right. meter, you yeah. know? Yeah, are you Stockwell is anti-gay. Stockwell yeah. or are you anti-Stockwell? Yeah, like, it was you... his angle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was trying to like get a feel for him. And the guy says, well, Stockwell will make a great mayor. And Brian's like, oh, he's incompetent. He, can't, he won't get anything done. Mm-hmm. And he's just a crook, just like the rest of them. And the guy says, no, he's an honest man. I've known him for, I've worked with him for 15 years. And Brian's asking more questions like, well, you're not a cop, are you? And the guy says, well, you ask too many questions. And so I think Brian sees, okay, that door is closed. Mm-hmm. He's going to have to try a different different tactic. 
but he does not look defeated. It's just like, all no, right, not at we all. gotta shift gears here. So then Brian goes to Carl with his suspicions, and he didn't get a name or a really good descrip- description, and so he can't really prove anything. And Carl tells Brian that he's like, this is about your personal vendetta. You just want to embarrass the chief. You want to embarrass Stockwell. And that could be a little bit of Brian's motivation. Yeah, no, it could be. But I'm presenting you with some legitimate stuff, though. Right. And Carl says, okay, well, I need some hard evidence, which is very true. If you're going to go after a cop, you have to come correct. For real, because because Horvath is going to be under the fire now. Right. Like, Like he already... You turn it on the blue. Because of what happened with Debbie, you know, he already lost a little bit of, (laughs) you know, respect from some of his peers. And so now it's like, okay, you want me to go after one of my own? Like... You got to give me some hard evidence on that. Perhaps some DNA might work. Mm-hmm. Like a cigarette butt or, or, or something like that. Or a condom, baby. Some uh, little yeah. jizz. Or, I want a little that, scene. little baby want, battle. Yeah, if we needed to go extreme, <laughs> that yeah. would work. But before Brian leaves, it's like, well, how about you do it for Debbie? And then crosses, leave her out of this. So They let you know right there. I didn't pick up on that. But let you know right there, he still wants him. Yeah, he still he still want he wants that old thing back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So do he want young Deborah? <laughs> so Michael goes to find Hunter and to give him back the key, but Hunter has to put up that front, you know, and he's like, "You're not my parent," and Michael says, "And you're not my son." And that moment needed to happen. Yeah, but I think it did because I think for Hunter, he knows it's true, but it still stings, and I think he's hurt by that because it's like. Right. You know, these are not. Go ahead, finish it. But I think it was good because Michael got a a rare glimpse at Hunter with his walls down and with him being vulnerable. And so then Michael softens his tone and he's like, okay, no, we're not your parents. But he says, but we are the ones that's giving you three squares meals and a roof under your head every day. So essentially, we are the closest thing that you've got to parents right now. So we'll see you tonight. Be home before midnight. Here's the key. Uh, Yeah, be home for midnight and bolt the door. Yes. And I like that he said, hey, lock yourself in with us. Right. Like, that's a mm-hmm. small but very big gesture. Mm-hmm. Like, no, we're not locking you out. We're locking you in with right. us. Mm-hmm. But anyway, how did you take it? I took it as in when when Michael said, um, we're not, I'm not your father, it was like a, a, an awakening moment to a hunter. Like, yo, you know what? These people are not my blood, but they're really trying. I mean, Michael's out. How did he even know where he was? You know, yeah. like, he didn't search every little corner where you be at, you know, where you hang out. This man don't have to do that. And it's cold. There's snow on the ground. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's cold. This man out here looking for you to give you his house key. He doesn't have to do that. So I feel like when he said that, I'm not your father. You're not my son. It was like a little hit to him, but also like, damn, you know what? These people really do fuck with me. Yeah, I get you're saying. Mm -hmm. Like, they're choosing to do something. They're not obligated to do They don't have to do. My mom would always tell me, there's nobody going to be like me because no one else don't don't have to do shit for you. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, I have to. No one else does. Michael and Ben don't owe him anything mm-hmm. at all. Matter of fact, since you've been there, you've been nothing but a headache. you disrespectful to my mama, which that's a no-go, okay? Yeah. You've been disrespectful to me and my man, and you disrespected my house already. You know what I'm saying? It's like, right. so to be honest, you should be ex <laughs> You just struck out. Yeah, yeah, baby. You know what I'm saying? You should be ex but I'm here with my damn key, giving it to you in front of your hustler friends. Right. Hopefully the giant ain't going to beat us over the head one day <laughs> and come... <laughs> Right. And come take all my stuff. But anyway, right. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But yeah, I feel like that was an important scene for the two of them, for the dynamic between the two of them. Yeah. We see Emmett, and he is uh, spending the night in with Ted. They're on the couch, and they're having a glass of wine and just kind of chilling together, spending some quality time, some of that QT. Oh. And Emmett is still a little upset at the girls. Um. But I think even Emmett knows that there might be a bit of truth to what they said. They didn't have to be that harsh again. No. But 
There might have been a nugget or two of wise advice in some of what was said there. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, so Emmett and Ted move things over to the bedroom, but Ted just can't quite get there. Um, so Emmett offers to give him a massage, but Ted has something better. He has some magic, he says, and he pulls out a box. And I thought it was a, a dildo. A, a, <laughs> no, or just <laughs> something, but no, it is a little vial of crystal. And Emmett says, I thought you were done with that. And Ted says he is. That was just a souvenir. And I'm just like, you're to the point where you're doing this in front of me. Like, no, nah, dude, you ain't over this. You like, just heard me defend you right. in front of these and girls. Her, no, you're not a drug user. And you too much. You've got a little souvenir left over from the weekend. Yeah. Okay. You, you, you really try and get now. Right. And this is kind of, you know, when you say, well, I'm just going to eat the last of the cookies in the pantry and then I'll start my diet. Yeah, like, right. Yeah, no, that is not always a good a good method. And uh, Ted asks Emmett if he's ever tried it. And Emmett says yes in his wayward youth, youth, but it didn't do anything for him. And um, this was such a sad scene. I right know here. it's awful. Go into Ted's uh, rant because everything everything he said broke me down. Yeah, and Ted says, "Well, you must not have had the good stuff." He says, "I felt so good for once, like it drowns out all the negative voices, the ones that tell me that I'm ugly." And let's pause. Why did he sound so enthused? Like, you haven't had the good stuff. Like, yeah. he was happy. Like, this drug, you can already tell that it got a hold on him mm-hmm. with that phrase right He's there. He's addicted to that feeling. Yeah, that feeling. Mm-hmm. I told you last time, mm-hmm. I knew somebody who was tried it and was always chasing that first time high. Mm-hmm. Always chasing it. Mm-hmm. And they could never re- recapture that first moment. Yeah. So, I definitely don't want this for Ted. But he, like, when he said the good stuff, like his eyes lit up uh-huh. and then he sort of named the things, how it made him feel all the negative that he's coping. Um, right. Using that he's been for... used to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it drowns all of that. He says he feels hot and sexy. He said it makes him feel the way Brian must feel all Desirable. the time. And I want to say, Ted, Brian might feel desired, but he still feels very unlovable. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't fix <laughs> you know, having feeling that way or being considered sexy or attractive. That doesn't cure all Brian's problems. Facts. Uh, but he, of course he doesn't know that. He's telling Emmett about all the men he was with at this circuit party and how they all wanted him and he wanted them. And there were just men everywhere, these endless options. And I mean, this is Ted who nearly lost his crap when Emmett was with Dijon, with one person Mm -hmm. based on a prior arrangement (laughs) that just happened to spill over into them already dating. And then he... He tells Emmett to try it with him. And this reminds me of that scene with Blake and Ted. Can't no, stand I, it. No, uh, just... It was already too much when you went down the road of all of the little sex acts that you did. Yeah. You're sitting over here telling me this. I mean, you're this. telling me. It's like, what, are you, what is and, Emmett's response yeah, supposed to be to this? It's the wrong time to tell me. You should have told me this when you yeah, came to the door. You're admitting that like, you the were bar. deep into drug use. Yes. And you were deep into all these tricks while you were... I don't know what they did to you. And you don't you know if you... Them. Yeah, I don't know if you were safe. That part. Like, you don't even know if you were safe, bro. Yeah. And you just saying it so normal. Like, he's saying he, it like... He's so excited. Like, you're telling me, like, yeah. He's like, I, when you come, like, you come for, like, hours and days. Like, I mean, and this man like, was an ecstasy. I am your partner me. who's yes. in love with you. And you're telling... You... I was losing my mind for three days, wondering where you were, covering for you, lying for you, replacing money that you stole. And you're telling me about this great experience you had? Like, What? What do I do with that? Uh, nothing. Like, I don't know. There is no way we would have been fucking after that. Oh, no. No, 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 no way. And you can just see the hurt on Emmett's face, the betrayal, and the, like, I think it's just so much to process at one time. And so he's like, he goes along with it. Like, 
I mean, basically, Ted is shoving it up his nose. I couldn't stand this scene, bro. I know. Ted is a scumbag for this scene right here. Yeah. Do like, not. Don't pull him down in that dark hole yeah. with you. You should. You. I mean, you already know what this shit does. Mm-hmm. Emin is on living his best life right now. I mean, right. he's starting his business. He's he's on top of the world. He's quitting torso, mm-hmm. all of that, and now you're dragging him into these depths. Like, come on, bro. Let me tell you what I know I cannot do, and that is a strung out Emmett and Ted. I know I cannot do no, that. Like, I, we mm-mm. will have to skip an, some episodes right. because I, I cannot I cannot do that. I can't handle it. Uh, when, Emmett, when Emmett does it, I just want to cry. Like, mm-hmm. Again, I feel sick to my stomach watching him do that. Why do you think he does it? I mean, oh, for one, Ted is, like, pressuring him to do it. Mm-hmm. Also, he loves Ted so much, I think he would do anything. Also, the way Ted talked about it and his experience with those other guys, he probably wants to experience that with Ted. He's been missing him yeah. for three fucking days. And you tell him you had the time of your life on this shit with somebody else, so he probably wants to match that. But the way, I mean, Ted was just, he was not going to take no for an answer. Yeah, you know? I feel like it was, okay, maybe if I shared this experience with him, right. it'll maybe bring a, it'll that'll bring us me, back together. Mm-hmm. and we'll just we'll share this one thing and then it's like okay we're done with that we're moving on but i don't yeah it's just it's hard and but this is so real like this is this is how it goes a lot right. of times where a person with no rational thought at all will just be like okay let me do this this might be something that we can share in this one instance mm-hmm. or occasionally or whatever, and it'll be something that bonds us. But if they do it with me, maybe I can know that they're safe mm-hmm. and I know when they're doing it. I can kind of monitor it. But but a lot of times this is how it happens. I mean, right. you see this with, with couples. You see this with a parent might do this with a child mm-hmm. who is an addict and they're like, okay, let me just see what that experience is like for mm-hmm. them. Maybe if I can try to understand it, I can help them out of it. And so, but it is it's hard to, yeah. to watch it. Okay, I gotta. I don't think any of what I just said made sense, but that's because it, no, no, it made sense. I, I can't just shake even. it off, baby. Shake it oh, out. Yeah. We're, we're moving on. We're yeah, going to the bar. Gonna, I'm gonna save you right we, now. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Got you. We're got going you. to the bar. So Brian and Justin are back at this bar, this sleazy bar, and Justin is dressed like a hustler. And uh, I love their conversation. Justin walks in, is like, "Look at these old guys." <laughs> Brian says, "Sad, isn't it?" And Justin says, "Yeah, some of them are even older than you." Are. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. He says, but I suppose at their age, the only way they can get it is to pay for it. Justin can always be counted on to poke a little fun at Brian. He hits him with the uppercut. With age. He yeah. knows how to do it. Yeah, I don't think he does it to make fun of him necessarily, but I think he does it because he know he thinks it's a silly obsession, right. which is a luxury of youth, mm-hmm. um, of Justin's youth. But he's like, Brian, why are you worried about that? That doesn't even matter. Yeah, it's, but- <laughs> it doesn't pertain to you. <laughs> yeah. And Brian says, what's another reason to die young? And which we'd have to talk about Brian and all this die young stuff. Yeah, he, he keeps like, saying I'm gonna pull you to the side, boo. Baby, you manifesting some <laughs> shit that I don't want. Okay, intervention. Um, but Justin says, or it's a you know reason to accept the fact that uh, youth and beauty are fleeting. That time will eventually leave its mark, and that we must accept our morality with grace and dignity. That part. And then an old guy walks by and gives Justin a wink, and and that is my reality. Like only creepy old men go for me. Yeah. <laughs> Well, not, not the swash right. daddy type, but like the real not safe. Yeah, like no, baby. Uh-uh. Yeah, Mm-mm. but Justin says he could really clean up in there, and he, he could, would. He would make some serious. Girl, coin. he would clean because he came. He was like um the the diamond in the rough. Like yes. that place is the rough, <laughs> yes. and he's the diamond. Okay, yes, that hot young thing walking through there. Yes. Oh yeah. 
I mean, I didn't even notice. I mean, I know we about to get to him, but I didn't even notice Hunter in the motherfucker. Like, I mean, <laughs> you can't even compare the two. One is shining bright like a diamond. The other one is a cubic zirconia. <laughs> You know, like, I mean, yeah. you you good. Yeah, but um, so Brian and Justin are out here on their rage and date in JT grind, and I love it when my booze go all vigilante, and I like that they're partnering up for yes. things like this, these dynamic duo vibes. Like Zephyr could never, never, <laughs> ever. Yeah. Anyway, Justin asks Brian what he's supposed to say to this guy when they find him. And Brian tells him, be your natural self and charm him with your witty repartee. And then as the guy is slobbering down Justin's neck, he will discreetly pocket his cigarette butt because <laughs> uh, they need some DNA to identify this mm-hmm. guy. And it's going to cost Brian if Justin has to do <laughs> that part. Four hundred. What is it? A hundred BJs? Yeah. Yeah. One hundred. Yeah. Yeah. One hundred BJs. Mm-hmm. Well, Hunter comes over to proposition Brian and he's like, oh, you're here again looking for me? Mm. <laughs> and... He gives Justin a quick glance and then tells him to um, to fuck off. Yeah, like, he he he's not playing about his. Okay, yeah. he didn't claim his. Okay, like, Brian, oh, it's all his. My customer, okay. my client. Okay, um, and and he says, "I saw him first. And Justin's like, "Really?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> Brian tells Justin that this is Hunter, Michael and Ben's new foundling, and then he tries to send Hunter away. I think this is Brian making introductions, but also. He's cutting in before Justin has to, like, turn it out up in that bar. Right, yeah. <laughs> because For one, you don't want to cause a scene, and then it's going to look suspicious, like, clear the fuck out. We're working. Right, Go. yeah, yeah. Uh, but you can see Justin relenting when he puts it all together, like, oh, that's who this kid is. Mm-hmm. And Hunter says, as he looks at Justin with condescending eyes, if you want to hustle that cop, you should have asked a professional. <laughs> uh, a professional. <laughs> yeah. And Justin's face is like, oh, are we bragging about that? Yeah, okay. like, baby, okay. <laughs> yeah. Brian tells him that they have it handled, and uh, he sends Hunter away. I'm sure your auntie, he's yeah, a yeah, scamper. I'm sure you, yeah, I'm scamper sure your away. aunties are worried, yeah. Uh, well, I think Brian doesn't want to involve Hunter in this. He's because, too young. Yeah, he's too young, and he, Brian knows this is dangerous. Mm-hmm. And because even in the scene when they were at the bar last time, when Hunter pointed out the guy, Hunter offered to go over there and help. No, no, no. Made and, him yeah, and Brian says, no, I don't want you involved. He didn't want him involved. Because this guy is somehow connected to a kid who wound up dead mm-hmm. in a dumpster. And so he either knows something or did something. But either way, he's not to be trusted. And Brian's not going to be responsible for putting Hunter in that situation. Um, but I love Justin's response to Hunter's like, oh, teenagers. I don't know how anyone puts up yes, with him. Yes, the look them. that Brian and, yeah, gives. Brian gives him that Kenny eyebrow. Yeah, like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay, 19-year-old. Uh. So then we see Michael at the window at their apartment, and he is the one worrying if Hunter is going to come home. So the roles are reversing a little bit, mm-hmm. and Michael is the worried parental figure, and Ben is the one telling him, hey, stick to the rules and the boundaries that you set. It's after midnight. Mm-hmm. And Michael sleep. says, well, I'm just going to give him a few more minutes. But Michael is getting invested. I think, mm-hmm. you know, having that moment with Hunter out on the street, like he is He's getting invested deeper emotionally. Right. Um, but it is after midnight, so Michael goes to the door and he bolts it. Well, then we see that sketchy looking guy pull up uh, in some back alley and he's headed to the bar. And Hunter knows what the guys they're looking for. So he offers him that uh, mm-hmm. outside to save him some time from having to go inside. And uh, the guy points out that Hunter has never been interested in him before. And then Hunter says, oh, well, maybe the mo- maybe it's the moonlight. Yeah, maybe hitting him differently tonight. <laughs> <laughs> well, Hunter gives him a uh, price quote. And then he, the guy asks, well, how much without a condom? 
And Hunter says he doesn't do that. That was a proud moment. Yeah. I was like, okay, because we I didn't know that I didn't think they were ever gonna put Hunter in a position where we would hear him say that he doesn't do that. Yeah. You know, like yeah. proud moment. Go Hunter. Yeah, and you know, because this is a guy of questionable character, but mm-hmm. Hunter won't risk infecting him. Nuh-uh. And I think that says a lot about Hunter. Like he could be mad at the world and intentionally trying to spread this to all the men who take mm-hmm. advantage of him. And I say take advantage because he is a yeah, is underage. Yeah. He's a child. He cannot legally consent. Yeah. And uh, and these men should just know better. Right. Um, and so, well, this guy's going to take Hunter up on his offer. And, and Hunter is hesitant at first. He's scared and he probably should be. Why do you think he, he's doing this? Why do you think he goes I mean, this? he's only doing this just so he can get the evidence. So he can bring it back to the gang. I feel like now we're finally seeing it all click together. Hunter is really becoming a part of the family, you know? Like, slowly but surely, he's doing it. And I mean, he's literally doing this for Jason and probably for the safety of all the guys out there, the hustlers on the street. Well, you're a bit more um, kind in yours. But I do think it's a combination of things. I think we've talked about how, in the past, I forget for what reason, but we've talked about how two of the most basic desires for any human being are um, cause and community. Mm -hmm. And now the community or family concept is a little bit skewed for Hunter because that's a weird thing for him and you can't really trust that. But that that cause, like having a cause and a purpose, I do think that's something that could be motivating for him. Um, And in this situation, maybe not necessarily cause as in something noble, but I do think it's a way for him to get some answers with Jason but also, I kind of think he cares more about impressing Brian right. than he does. Like I did, <laughs> and your your main because didn't. I didn't catch this at first. But Hunter cuts him off before he gets inside to where Brian and Justin can actually talk mm-hmm. to him and trap him because he wants to be the one. The to one do gets this. him. Mm-hmm. He wants to be the one who gets what Brian needs and gives it to him because Hunter doesn't know who Justin is. Right, like. He was there dressed as a hustler. So as far as Hunter knows, Justin is competition right. for Brian. Like he's another hustler. And so if he can get Brian what he needs and Brian doesn't need Justin to do it. Mm-hmm. So so I think it's a combination of things. It could be that he's trying to do this good thing, this do right by Jason. But I also think he wants to impress. Yeah, Steve. yeah, definitely. He's doing that shit for Brian. For yeah. Sure. That's why I said that first. <laughs> But I think it also yeah, has so, more, more so things. That, yeah, with it. so you know, it could be you it know be taking out several birds mm-hmm. with one stone, but one of the the we biggest know birds. Fact, is he's doing that for the Kenny. Okay, yeah. he wants that Kenny stroke. Okay, <laughs> yeah. So that is this episode, and yeah, girl, it left me drained. To I be know, honest. for real. <laughs> this episode like, drained me. And they I'm like, are coming for all my emotions. All of them, okay? Like, I don't know what to do with Ted at this moment, I okay? Know. I can't hardly look at him. Yeah. And now I'm looking at Emmett, and Emmett looked like he wanted to cry in that scene. Mm. And, uh, A lot. Yeah. I was never, never, ever, 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 ever expecting that. Right. No. Uh-uh. I mean, this whole Ted storyline, I was never expecting this. Right. Like, Mm-mm. ever. I mean, a few, a couple, well, now I'm still like poor Ted. Now I'm more like poor Ted. Like, mm-hmm. Damn it, bro. But also, stop having self-pity. Damn it. Right. Okay. But I really do think, like, if any character was going to go through this... It had to be it his. It has to be Ted. Because yeah. of all of that self-loathing mm-hmm. and that um, that negative self-talk and all that stuff. You know, so uh, Del Shores, who's one of the writers on Queer's Folk, and who's an amazing playwright and very funny, but very compassionate, very intelligent, insightful guy. Um, anyway... He is good friends with Leslie Jordan. Mm-hmm. And so I want to say, now I'm going to correct this later if I get it wrong, but I want to say they were saying 
that Leslie Jordan was sharing some of his personal experience with Dell about um, either himself or friends that, that used Crystal. And they talked about, I just want to feel pretty and it made me feel pretty. Mm. And so if any character is going to latch onto that feeling, like this is the thing that makes me feel pretty. It makes me feel worthy. It makes me feel desired. Ted is the character right. to latch onto that. Yeah. Ooh. To chase that continuously. Oh, Lord. It was just too much. Was, yeah. Mm, too much. And to see Emmett steal down for him and then turning down that road to too much. I'm drained. Yeah. Yeah. Drained. But I'm dying to see what's going to happen with this cop, though. Like, yeah. I am dying to see. I don't want, as much as Hunter get on my nerves, I don't want him to, to go. As in, like, don't kill him off, y'all. Please. You know, like, don't kill him off. Let me look at your eyes. They killing Hunter off? Anyway, so. <laughs> This is when I put my hand up to block my whole face so you can't see me. <laughs> That's funny. But yeah, I just, oh, hopefully he's safe. I mean, I know you're trying to be the hero, bro, but you're jeopardizing yourself. I don't yeah. know. Well, guys, we hope y'all enjoyed this and we're looking forward to hear y'all comments and your feedback. Um, we definitely love talking to you guys. Like we always say, we do this for y'all and the mutual love that we have for this show. If you guys have any questions or any comments, y'all know how to hit us. Hit us up. We would definitely address them on our next episode. And until next time, we are out of here. Bye. Bye.